Warning. This show may be unsuitable for young fillies, colts, and foals due to strong language prevalent in literally every episode, and some mild sexual innuendo. We will also touch on themes of racial relations, political climate, and other sensitive subjects, but we will let you know when those things come up. Welcome to Equestria Gaze, a My Little Pony rewatch podcast. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Equestria Gaze. I'm Anya, my pronouns are they, them, and you can find me on Twitter at aka Anya. I'm joined by my partner in life, love, and forgetting we have ice cream in the freezer, August. Hi, I'm August. I use they, them pronouns, and you can find me on Twitter at Harpydora. Each week, we'll saddle in to rewatch an episode of My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, to break apart what exactly the show is trying to say. The good, the bad, and the downright problematic. We figured it's 2020 and everything is happening so much, so why not watch some cartoons? I personally had not seen My Little Pony until this year, so this was all a lot for me. I was, however, a horse girl growing up, so the fact that I didn't watch this show when it originally aired is confusing even to me. And I got into Friendship is Magic when it first came out. Um, I witnessed the genesis of the Brony fandom and eventually fell off the cart around season four, uh, which is to say that this ain't my first rodeo. I just now uh, noticed all of the puns you put into that. (laughs) Why, thank you. So this week we'll be discussing season one, episode three, The Ticketmaster. Uh, We open on Twilight Sparkle helping Applejack around the farm when she receives two tickets to the Grand Galloping Gala. Applejack wants the second ticket so she can boost the visibility of the family business and use the funds to buy new farm equipment and replace Granny Smith's hip. Rainbow Dash overhears and makes her own case for the ticket, a chance at impressing the Wonderbolts, the best flyers in all of Equestria. This starts a battle between the ponies when Pinkie Pie bumps into Twilight and expresses her need to party but Rarity also wants to go so she can meet Celestia's nephew and marry him. Finally, Fluttershy expresses her need to view the castle's private gardens, and an all-out war begins between the friends, and eventually the town, as they compete for the extra ticket. Twilight tries to hide from the pressure, but her friends find her and apologize for being so selfish. Twilight returns the two tickets to Celestia, explaining that if all her friends can't go, she doesn't want to choose. Celestia responds by saying, Bitch, why didn't you say so? And giving everyone a ticket to the gala. So, Anya, what's this week's message to Phillies, Colts, and Foles? Well, August, um, I've picked two. 
So um, the first lesson I pulled out was your friends do not owe you anything and your needs are no more or less important than anyone else's. Although a later comment I want to talk about implies that maybe some of their needs are a little bit more important than others. But Hmm. yeah. Um, And the other thing that I pulled from this is if there's something you need, ask for it. Like be that help or whatever. Don't just try to saddle the burden on your own. (laughs) Saddle. I don't even know if I'm using saddle correctly anymore. I've used it as a pun so many times. I don't know if it's a real word anymore. I mean, that's fair. And the message that I got out of it is that it's okay to turn something down if it means uh, your friends won't be left out. So many good things for the youngins. Yep. Um, I forgot how we transitioned to the next segment. We, I don't think we've officially said the name of this segment, so I guess if you wanted to say the name. Okay. Uh, so next we want to talk about what's left unsaid, or the uh, bridled meaning, if you will. And this is the part of the show where we kind of break down some of the stuff that we noticed and talk about like wider implications and things that really stuck out. And starting at the top... Um, Just as a trans person who is also heavily gender nonconforming, the fact that the bet that Applejack had with uh, Big Macintosh about who could finish their work first uh, would be about Big Mac having to wear a girdle uh, and go through uh, Ponyville wearing it is, you know, kind of frustrating because it's like, you know... Big Mac wearing something that's, you know, traditionally considered feminine is positioned as being ridiculous or embarrassing. And that's especially unfortunate because um, I know that in a later episode, we find out that Big Macintosh dreams of being a princess, which I don't know about you, but that's kind of heavy trans woman vibes to me, you know? Yeah, and I I haven't seen that episode yet. Um I'm farther along on our watch than our podcast would imply, but I still haven't seen that one yet. So I'm curious to see that for sure. Um, yeah, it's it's a cute moment, all things considered, and we should be getting there soon. Okay. And I wonder if this would also be a good point. Like, I had this further down, but I kind of feel like um, Spike's constant reminders that boys aren't supposed to enjoy, like, balls and have emotions is kind of along this same line where it's like, The boys aren't allowed to like the girly things and like how much that point is hammered down in this episode specifically is exhausting. Yeah. And like, especially at the end, because it's like, we'll get there, we'll get there. But yeah, like the concept of these characters not being allowed to partake or it being positioned as being ridiculous for them to be doing this these things is unfortunate. Yeah, it's it's incredibly frustrating. It's one of the things about this episode that drives me kind of insane and we just we don't wait very long to get here. This is episode 3. Yeah. So, certainly uh I don't know if we want to talk more about it later. I'd I'd like to wait until the end to circle back around. Okay. Well, just keep in mind that we're going to be talking about gender. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Um, My next bullet point is 
is the implication here really that God has never seen fit to invite her prized pupil to the gala in all the years that Twilight has been studying with her? Because it's like, Celestia clearly favors Twilight. Why wouldn't she see fit to toss a golden slip of paper her way at least once in yeah. all the time that she's known her I mean, I guess, like, the question is, did Dumbledore ever invite Harry to anything? Is that a bad thing to talk about right now? I'm I'm removing the author from the property, uh, and Harry Potter it was written by no one. It just is. So Harry Potter was written by Hatsune Miku. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, we're leaving aside the whole argument about, like, how JKR's politics are, like, baked into the core of Harry Potter, because that's something that another podcast has been tackling far better than we could, a.k.a. go listen to The Shrieking Shack. But this episode is not sponsored by The Shrieking Shack. Yeah. <laughs> but if they want to team up, hey. Hey, Liz and Zizi, if you want to come talk about cartoon ponies... Um, there's gotta be a pony Harry Potter crossover. Oh, yeah, almost certainly. Maybe one day we'll, we'll, like, dive into the, the dark depths of AO3, or perhaps even worse, plumb the depths of fanfiction.net and see what we can turn up. But, oh boy. Yeah, it's just really interesting to me in a weird way, how Celestia and Twilight's interactions are shown to be played out. And now that you mentioned Dumbledore, like, it does kind of have a sort of parallel between Dumbledore and Celestia because of the way that Dumbledore very explicitly manipulates Harry throughout the entire book series, even after his fucking death. Spoiler mm -hmm. alert, Dumbledore dies. <laughs> but... No! <laughs> But, you know, the entire first two episodes were about Celestia just manipulating Twilight, not withholding information specifically, and, you know, putting Twilight in a, posi in a position as though she were a chess piece, which is exactly the same kind of bullshit that Dumbledore pulls. So, you know? It's so true. Like, I don't know. The way that Celestia handles the first little bit does bother me a lot where it's like that's how you treat your star pupil and apparently you don't invite her to parties like i mean i guess it is weird for like a professor to invite their student to a party i'm under no means saying that should happen but like they imply a very different kind of relationship between those two yeah i'm sure jesus invited all of his apostles to whatever dinners he chose to throw well, that's getting into a little bit more than we're ready for in episode three. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> um, and uh, the next point that I had written down will lead into something that I thought you had it written down. I do. I put everything in um, order as to how I reference it. So it's farther down, but I could bring it back up if you want. Okay, no, that's fine, that's fine. Okay. Yeah, so uh, the next point uh, that I have written down is, what is the state of medicine in Equestria that Granny Smith can't get a fucking hip replacement? 
Is it magical medicine or more mundane stuff? What's the state of healthcare? Why does Applejack need to pay for Granny Smith's procedure, especially after she played a key role in saving the fucking world? Can't God just, like, have Granny Smith's hip replaced? Like, what the fuck? I I want to believe this is a situation that we run into with the characters a lot where, like, they have a problem, but they just don't say anything. So, like, Applejack has taken it as her personal burden to obtain this procedure for Granny Smith, which, like, I feel like happens in the real world, too, for sure. Yeah, that's true. But also, like, Equestria is a magical place, so why... Would we want to, well, okay, I guess this could get into territory of, like, potentially radicalizing the youth by showing them that there's a better way to do things and then having them demand that the real world be better than it is today, but... Remember, kids, if you want a hip replacement for your grandma, you'll just have to fucking work for it. You'll just have to shill your apple strudel for years on end and hopefully be able to scrape up enough money to pay for the deductible if you're lucky enough to have insurance. If only there was some kind of a solution. Yeah. One that was, like, employed elsewhere that we could use as, as a, like, standard. I guess we'll just never be able to fix this. I guess Equestria is just doomed. Insert, uh, guess I'll die meme here. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So the next point I have kind of harkens back to your second point. Um, and it's instead this time about Rarity's lack of invitation to the gala. So I'm not a famous fashion designer or a famous person, but I always assume that like designers get to go to the fancy events that they design for. Do they not? Because she said she's never been to one of these, but she designs for it. I don't know. And this is a case of, like, I think the writers are being inconsistent just to make things with Rarity and her prof uh, her profession serve the plot. Because, like, in some episodes, Rarity is barely known. In other episodes, Rarity is well-to-do enough that people ask her to design them fancy outfits for things such as the Grand Galloping Gala. Yeah. Like, in a later episode that pertains to the gala, she's trying to make dresses for the gala to get her name out there, but she says in this episode that she makes dresses for the gala. Yeah. So which is it, Rarity? Yeah. Like I said, I think they're just, you know, whatever is convenient for the plot at the time. But back to your original question, I'm not sure... I spent a whole bunch of time researching whether or not hot sauce would kill Twilight <laughs> and forgot to research about whether fashion designers get invited to events. So, I mean, yeah, it's just a world we know nothing about. So, like, it's fair. Um, if you know the answer, let us know. Yeah. Because I personally think it's, uh, I feel like all the designers who design for, like, the big runways are huge names and so i would assume they would be at the events too because like it's not that many people it's just a bunch of the same person yeah i don't know like i feel like 
maybe the closest comparison that we would have would be like the Met Gala. Okay. So I don't know if designers get to go to that or not, but hmm. again, dear listeners, let us know. Yeah. How about some more rarity talk? Yeah, what is this heterosexual nonsense Rarity's talking about? Why do we have to have compulsory heterosexuality right here when it is clear that Rarity is a lipstick lesbian? Like, what does this add? I mean, they have to have heterosexual nonsense because otherwise people will see six lead characters who are all the same gender interacting and loving each other and they might think something gay is up. However, if those were three women and three men ponies, you know they'd be paired up by the end of this series. Mm-hmm. Like, not only is it heterosexual nonsense, Rarity has fucking bad taste in men. What is that horse, Rarity? You can do better. Well, I mean, it's my understanding that a lot of lesbians when they are younger before they realize that they are lesbians will commonly just pick a dude to quote unquote have a crush on because they think that's what you're supposed to do and so sometimes like I have a friend who has made regrettable dude crush choices when she was younger so you know it's I kind of buy that but yeah he is grimacing emoji times 10 he's no applejack he is no applejack (laughs) in case anyone here wondered what uh august ships i'm sorry you can cut that if you want no i'll leave it in it's good for people to laugh at my expense no (laughs) um so Kind of on the same note of, like, Rarity's reason for going to the gala, everyone, like, everyone's needs for going to the gala are pretty diverse, but, like, how is Twilight gonna stand there and be like, well, Applejack's grandmother needs a hip replacement and the farm needs new equipment, but Pinkie Pie wants to party. I I can't compare those two. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, they're not equal, and, like, I know this goes against the lesson I pointed out at the beginning of it all, but, like, those two things aren't equal, and it's fair that, like, maybe your reason for wanting to go to the party is just you want to go to the party, and that's fine, but it doesn't compete with someone who's like, I need to save my family business and get that sweet, sweet cash to replace my grandma's hip. Yeah. Like, the one who's most comparable, I think, is Rarity, because heterosexual nonsense aside, the primary reason that she gives to start out with is she wants to have visibility for her brand and her business. So she and Applejack are both wanting to go there for their livelihoods. Yeah. But Rarity's just, like, single and living free and doesn't really have any responsibilities except to her cat, whereas Applejack is kind of, like, positioned as the breadwinner for the family. Like, the other family members definitely help out, and she's certainly not, like, pulling the load alone, but... And this is 
also like main character syndrome probably but you know she's the one we see working on the farm most she's the one that we see as being like the face of the sweet apple acres brand so like you know as like a counterpoint to that like rarity and her fucking business like there are so many times we see her just struggling and like get you some help she's just all alone making sometimes ridiculous orders so like i can i can see rarity's initial interest and like i would also like to get my name out there so i can design fancy dresses for fancy people which i already do but i want to do i don't know what's continuity but then pinkie pie like i want to party and fluttershy like i want to see the outdoors Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like y'all that ain't as good of a reason if we're trying to pick who has the best reason to go. Like, yeah. if that really is the purpose of this whole thing, is picking who has the best reason to go, it ain't those two. And, like, Rainbow Dash I can see, too, because she wants to build her career, but she's doing so off of, like, a whole lot of assumption. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll see me and they'll know that I'm supposed to be a part of their crew, which, like... That's not as much of a promise as, like, I'm going to sell things to rich people. Mm -hmm. So that was my thought there. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're fine. Like, you're you're not wrong. Um, continuing to speak of Rarity's business, why do saddles exist? And why did she put one on Twilight? Who uses saddles? Like, obviously, the one that Rarity ties Twilight into is uh, purely for ornamental purposes. And I'm pretty sure it's also meant to be kind of like a uh, corset analog. But I thought it was corset. I didn't even equate it with a saddle. No, it's it's got the shape of a saddle. Oh. Yeah, so it's like, where did saddles originate? There aren't humans. Who's riding these horses other than Spike, who is an outlier because he is an orphan who was stolen from a nest, probably, which we'll get into that later. Yeah, and it's kind of like, you know, your kid riding on your shoulders. It's not the same thing as, like, someone riding on a sentient horse. Um, yeah, exactly. But... It also could just be that the horses realize the saddle is a superior shape. And so, like, while these aren't designed for being used to, like, sit on, it's just a good shape for the horse. I guess. I don't know. I, I personally didn't realize it was a saddle. I feel really dumb now. <laughs> <laughs> I mostly noticed the corset thing and was like, oh, that looks painful. Yeah. I see what they're trying to say there. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we see horses doing, like, horse, horse jobs, things. but we don't see them being ridden, I don't think. At least not that I've seen up to. Yeah. Um, I don't recall an instance where a horse is being ridden other than Spike riding along on Twilight's back, really. Right. And again, that's really more along, along the lines of, like, giving a kid a piggyback ride. Yeah. Like... At points, there are, there are times where Twilight actually scoops him up because it is the most convenient way for them to travel faster. He, he isn't fast. Yeah. So that makes sense. And it's clearly, like, with Twilight's permission and wishes that he does that. Mm-hmm. But he also doesn't use a saddle when he does it, so. 
Yeah. Unrelated, but I did want to point out that Angel is a fucking asshole and a criminal, and this is a universal constant. I fucking hate that rabbit. I hate him so much! He treats Fluttershy like shit, and she just lets him! Oh my god. I can't wait till we get to the episode where I just wish Angel would have run off into the forest. <laughs> like, yeah. He's so bad. Everyone, like, it is interesting to see everyone's pets and how they kind of correlate to the person. And, like, comparably, Rarity has a pretty mean pet. But even then, like, Opal is shown to like Rarity. They, she, like, purrs and rubs up against her and just gets mad about a lot of things because she's a cat. Yeah. But Angel is, like, actively vindictive. Yeah. And Fluttershy is a pushover. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, buddy. Yeah. For uh, the opposite of that, like, while Angel being a asshole is constant, Twilight's magic seems to only come when, uh, randomly? Like, not even when she needs it most. Like, in this episode, she teleports, which is really cool. She needed it then. Where was that teleportation when she was about to fall off cliff? Yeah. I think, though, that the implication is that this is something that she is newly able to do, because, like, we do see her do it later, and there don't seem to be any negative repercussions from it, and she seems to be able to do it on a more intentional basis. But this is, I think, the first time that we really see her do it, and Spike comes out looking all charred, so... I feel like they're implying that this is a new thing. Okay. I can vibe with that for this time. Uh, I will definitely be bringing it up in the future when she should have just used her fucking teleportation. Oh, yeah. No, Because there's so many times where it's like, Twilight, you're magic. That's literally what you are. You got a crown for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ugh. Also, the the whole scene with Fluttershy in the library with all of the animals helping her out. Fluttershy Disney princess confirmed. I almost wrote something about that scene because it also was like another example of breaking the fourth wall because Fluttershy is singing the My Little Pony theme song. Mm hmm. Which, like, would imply that My Little Pony, the song at least, exists in their universe. Which I guess would make sense because they all sing it at the beginning of the show, but like that stood out. <laughs> yeah, I love I love that scene with her too because it's just like, like no, I wasn't trying to to kiss up to you, and Angel just stares like, no, yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. Sorry, my bad. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, buddy, I know those feels as someone who can't tell a lie. Yeah, that's fair. So. Neither of us had anything uh, in particular that we found noteworthy during the whole ending sequence where everybody's apologizing and stuff like that. So let's circle back around to Spike's behavior because he makes gagging noises, as I recall, about like the concept of the gala and stuff like that. Yeah, that whole thing pissed me off. Like every time... So every time it comes up, he's like, 
why would I want to do a girly thing like a ball? And then they all get their tickets and walk out. And he's like, why don't I get to go to the ball? Like implying that he wants to go, but he's not allowed to let them know because then he'll be enjoying a girly thing, which he's not allowed to do as a boy. Mm -hmm. Like also that's like saying going to the Oscars is too girly. (laughs) Yeah. Although like, honestly, my main uh, touchstone for the Grand Galloping Gala is uh, Dragon Con, which <laughs> is definitely not too girly for anybody. Um, but yeah, it's it's a mess. Spike's characterization in this episode is just such a mess. Yeah, and he keeps referring to it as like, he doesn't want to go to a girly ball. And like, it's a gala. Are galas and balls the same thing? Do I have a misconception of what a gala is? (laughs) I don't know. I think maybe, like, it's linked to the concept of, like, frilly dresses and stuff in his mind. But again, like, why are frilly dresses bad? Frilly dresses also means dudes in tuxedos. Boy, wouldn't it be weird if there was only women there just, like... There will be other dudes there, Spike. You're not going to be alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his behavior in this episode is... I I feel like they stuck it in as, like, a funny gag for children. But, like, to what end? This show is aimed at young girls. Yeah. And I mean, like, clearly it garnered an audience outside of its target audience, But even if it hadn't, like, there's no reason for the gender politics to be so fucked. Yeah, it's in a town run by mostly women, you think Spike would learn not to say those things. Yeah. (laughs) Horses can kick hard. (laughs) Yeah, just ask Bucky McGillicuddy and Kicks McGee. Yeah, the, the gender politics of this episode specifically really pissed me off, and I... I feel like I didn't notice it quite as much the first time around. Like, I thought, like, oh, that's annoying. But now that I'm specifically thinking about notes for it, it just kind of pisses me off a lot. Like, what was the value of adding those things? Like, Spike could have not wanted to go for a multitude of reasons. He could have been like, oh, man, I have to go and be around, like, a large crowd of people. That'll be exhausting. Or, like, have to go be around a bunch of horses when I'm not a horse. Well... I think the the most clear reason why Spike would potentially not be interested in the gala is he's called a baby dragon, but um, like I said uh, last episode, I think it was, um, I always read him as like a tweenager, and so it's like, what the fuck is he going to do at a gala? Like, that's it's probably boring to him. Like, it has... It would make more sense for him to be like, why would I want to go to a boring gala where you just stand around? Yeah, like there are so many other ways they could have written his like disinterest. But the fact that they specifically chose to have him say that he's like not going to go to a girly ball, but then show in his alone moments that he secretly really wants to go Mm -hmm. is just it's a stereotype that no one no one needed why (laughs) yeah it just would have landed a lot better too because then at the end when uh celestia sent him a uh ticket uh separately like 
it would have been more clear that maybe this was a case of FOMO mm -hmm. as opposed to like, I don't know, it, the way it reads right now to me is kind of like weird, toxic masculinity, not letting him want this thing, but he still wants it, but he has to be secret about it. Like, it would have just been so much better if Spike claimed to think it was boring. Yeah. I mean... I think you had something else to say about his ticket, too. Like, Yeah, is the, <laughs> is the implication that Celestia is omniscient when she sends that ticket to Spike? Or is the implication that Spike's just an afterthought to her? Which is it? Get your votes in now, folks. One is terrifying, and the other is really sad. Yep. I don't know which I like more. I think <laughs> I think of Celestia as omniscient because she's always there whenever like whenever she's needed, she just shows up. Mm -hmm. She knows. Yeah, I think of Celestia as omniscient, but not necessarily omnipotent. Mm -hmm. Just because there are clearly things that can happen to her that do not appear to happen to her because she wants them to um like she's got a whole lot of magical power but she's not all powerful yeah like there are several episodes that stem around her inability to fix the thing and her need for someone else to fix it yeah so she's like she's in a weird area Mm-hmm. and i think you had a final thought on this whole thing that's not mine. Is it? Oh. No, I, I didn't write that. <laughs> A ghost wrote it. <laughs> um, okay, so I'll pretend this was my final thought and that I remember it was my final thought. It, it had to be because I did not write it. <laughs> I told you, a ghost wrote it. Um, <laughs> so this whole message uh, lands a little weird because uh, it's just a given that Twilight is going to share and then at the end, she's like, I don't want this because my friends can't have this. And I don't know if this is supposed to be demonstrating socialism, but it just kind of feels off that I don't know. Like the solution was that easy this whole time. Yeah, it's it just feels really weird to me. And I'm even saying this. Like, as somebody who believes in sharing good fortune with others and things like that, I'm not sure that I think Twilight was ever obligated to share. Yeah. Like, Celestia probably sent the ticket thinking she would bring Spike. Yeah, that makes the most sense. Yeah, the tickets were originally for Twilight and Spike to go to the ball, but then Spike had to be his shitty little misogynistic self. And everything spiraled out of control. Well, it wasn't even Spike necessarily being his shitty self. The letter just said Twilight and her plus one, basically. It didn't explicitly say Twilight and Spike. If it had right. said, you know, if it had said, here's a ticket for you and a, also a ticket for Spike, the entire episode wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Well, there's nothing to say she has to give the ticket to anyone either. Like... That's kind of like being told you're allowed to have a plus one at a wedding. You don't have to use it. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not just going to be like, all right, which of my friends will be my date for the wedding? Yeah. 
And I do remember writing that now. We're good. <laughs> it was you. It was not it me. It was me. It was me. Possessed by the ghost of Karl Marx, I guess. I don't know. Oh my god. Yep. <laughs> well, we ran longer than we thought we would, so shall we talk about our main event? Yes, let's talk about our main event. What is your main event, Anya? My main event, which I think you've done some looking into after I wrote this down, but of all of this mess, the thing that I most was drawn to was wanting to know more about the cuisine in Equestria because I am who I am and I'm not sorry. Um, but like, they managed to make a dandelion sandwich look really tasty somehow. And I want to know more about like restaurants in this world because like Pinkie Pie also works at a bakery and I feel like you shouldn't give your horse a cupcake. <laughs> well, I'll have to research that. <laughs> um, yes, I did research for a horse fact later on that eventually we'll use, but it does have to do with a dandelion sandwich. And honestly, my main event was in a similar area of the show as that because uh, Rainbow Dash just like zipping up the cloud with the comical cartoon zipper noise and letting Twilight get soaked in the rain after Twilight was like hey, don't do me any special favors, that's not cool, was pretty hilarious to me. I Sometimes I have a lot of problems with the way that Rainbow Dash acts, but sometimes, like, her kind of, like, not always emotionally aware uh, approach to life is kind of funny. Yeah, it's like, all right, suit yourself. Yep. <laughs> it's Rainbow Dash is definitely an interesting character. Like, her... Her interaction with the weather and the clouds will certainly be something we come back to because it has so many implications for the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's our main event. And so that means it's time for this week's horse fact. So this is a random piece of horse trivia that we found online that may or may not be true. We are assuming it's true. The internet would never lie. This week's horse fact is... Horses can't vomit due to them having a strong band of muscles around their esophagus. This band is so strong that a horse's stomach would burst before it would vomit. If you have any fun horse facts you want us to include on the show, send them to us on Twitter at EquestriaGaze, and we'll give you a shout out. Until next time, stay cool, every pony, and remember, Black Lives Matter, trans rights are human rights, and wear your fucking mask. Thanks for listening. 
If you enjoyed the show, please rate us on your podcast platform of choice. Tell your friends about us or tweet about us using the Equestria Gaze hashtag. We're also a member of Standing Stones Productions, a nonprofit podcasting guild. Some of our other shows include Follow the Leader and The Room Where It Happened, two TTRPG actual play shows, and The Escaphil Files, a podcast where two of our friends read and talk about the Animorph series. You can find out more about all of our projects at Stones underscore Standing on Twitter. Unfortunately, Standing Stones was already taken. Anyway, your support means a lot. Thanks again for listening.